The first morning. This is the most beautiful place on earth. There are many such places. Every man, every woman carries in heart and mind the image of the ideal place, the right place, the one true home, known or unknown, actual or visionary. A houseboat in Kashmir, a view down Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, a gray Gothic farmhouse two stories high at the end of a red dog road in the Allegheny Mountains, a cabin on the shore of a blue lake in spruce and fir country, a greasy alley near the Hoboken waterfront. Or even, possibly, for those of a less demanding sensibility, the world to be seen from a comfortable apartment high in the tender velvety smog of Manhattan, Chicago, Paris, Tokyo, Rio, or Rome. There's no limit to the human capacity for the homing sentiment. Theologians, sky pilots, astronauts have even felt the appeal of home calling to them from up above, in the cold black outback of interstellar space. For myself, I'll take Moab, Utah. I don't mean the town itself, of course, but the country which surrounds it, the canyon lands, the slick rock desert, the red dust and the burnt cliffs and the lonely sky, all that which lies beyond the end of the roads. The choice became apparent to me this morning when I stepped out of a Park Service house trailer, my caravan, to watch for the first time in my life the sun come up over the hoodoo stone of Arches National Monument. I wasn't able to see much of it last night. After driving all day from Albuquerque, 450 miles, I reached Moab after dark in cold, windy, clouded weather. At park headquarters, north of town, I met the superintendent and the chief ranger, the only permanent employees, except for one maintenance man— in this particular unit of America's national park system. After coffee, they gave me a key to the house trailer and directions on how to reach it. I am required to live and work not at headquarters, but at this one-man station some twenty miles back in the interior, on my own. The way I wanted it, naturally, or I'd never have asked for the job. Leaving the headquarters area and the lights of Moab, I drove twelve miles farther north on the highway until I came to a dirt road on the right, where a small wooden sign pointed the way. Arches National Monument, eight miles. I left the pavement, turned east into the howling wilderness. Wind roaring out of the northwest, black clouds across the stars, all I could see were clumps of brush and scattered junipers along the roadside. Then another modest signboard. Warning. Quicksand. Do not cross wash when water is running. The wash looked perfectly dry in my headlights. I drove down, across, up the other side, and on into the night. Glimpses of weird humps of pale rock on either side, like petrified elephants, dinosaurs, Stone Age hobgoblins. Now and then something alive scurried across the road, kangaroo mice, a jackrabbit, an animal that looked like a cross between a raccoon and a squirrel, the ringtail cat. Farther on, a pair of mule deer started from the brush and bounded obliquely through the beams of my lights, raising puffs of dust which the wind, moving faster than my pickup truck, caught and carried ahead of me out of sight into the dark. The road— 
narrow and rocky, twisted sharply left and right, dipped in and out of tight ravines, climbing by degrees toward a summit which I would see only in the light of the coming day. Snow was swirling through the air when I crossed the unfenced line and passed the boundary marker of the park. A quarter mile beyond, I found the ranger station, a wide place in the road, an informational display under a lean-to shelter, and fifty yards away the little tin government house trailer where I would be living for the next six months.